Hey, Matt. Hello. How's it going? Good. How you doing, Mark? Good. Very good. Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired. Yeah. Did you have judo today? Exactly. Ugh. I am tired, but for completely different reasons that have nothing to do with my physical fitness. Really? I have been on fire these last two weeks. It's crazy. Yes, I saw. Yeah, man. It's been totally crazy. Um, so the I just... Cra- the crazy part is that you're more active on Twitter than I am. <laughs> that, that's the like, crazy part. I think it just seems that way. <laughs> no, no, totally. You're sharing like, hey, new blog post, new this, new that. Yeah, it's like it's fun to I, it's fun to have something to share for a change. <laughs> I feel like I've just been like wallowing in nothingness for so long that it's like, oh, actually, I have some fresh stuff. Um, so yeah, so to jump in, render blog has been going very well. I'm still accomplishing my goal of doing two uh, posts a week. One nice thing that's happened is I'm just getting a lot faster. So I feel really good about churning really small things out. So for example, like I spend a lot of time on Stack Overflow and people will just be like, oh, I just can't connect to the database. It's failing. And then I'll figure it out and then just share all blog like one code snippet. Nice. Um, yeah. So that's great. Uh, and my, my posts are getting more targeted, more useful. I'm just getting better at writing in general, which is nice. Um, so I built and launched the free product. Uh, I did that last week now, early last week. And that was cool. Uh, I got it out there and like, you know, I tweeted it, but you know, not that many people who I know on Twitter or know me use render. I mean, you know, it's still a pretty niche topic. Right. Um, so I, it, I went a few days with no users and then I, did the thing that I was scared to do. There's a very well-traveled um, article on the render forums that, that asks about Keep Alives. And it's like, oh, like, or not Keep Alives, but oh, is your free tier going down? And it has like thousands and thousands of hits because they use Discord, or, uh, Discourse, so you can, right. you can see it. And on the first launch, I was like, oh, I'm like scared to post in there. And then I, I think I came in in the morning and I'd had enough coffee and said, to hell with it. And I, I threw it in there and I'm getting new users every day. Wow. Which is so cool. <laughs> um, so yeah. And, and like to cap it off today, I think I probably have 10 users now that are actively using it. Like I watched one guy via the database. I watched him create an account and then set his keep alive up and then like, you know, leave the site basically. But right. like, it was so cool to see somebody who I don't know use my service and then like thumbs up it's working and then like go back to work. Awesome. Um, I even have one guy, this is so cool. I have one guy, because uh, in the in the tool I have a link that just says, oh, say hi on Twitter. And he found the initial post that I made about the fact that the Keep Alive is now live. And he responded and he said, good job and thanks. And I was like, oh, like are you a user? Are you using this? And he said, yeah, yeah. I signed up yesterday and it's working, works like a charm. Awesome. Like, this is so cool. <laughs> that is awesome. It's such a great feeling, right? Yeah. Like, you're creating value and it's yes. obvious. It's obvious. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I'm over the moon with that. Um, I really, when I think about like my goals for what I wanted for this, I it was one person. I just wanted one person to use it and start a flow and kick it off like that's it um and it's working and it, that's so fucking cool 
<laughs> um, so yeah, I lots of wins on that side. My blog is still getting traffic. You know, not a ton of traffic, but uh, every day I there's all sorts of people out there who have who are having problems that I'm able to jump in and oh, your build's not working. Yep, I understand. It's it's these like uh, oh, there's a very common debug pattern of what are you using, what are you not using. So I actually think I'm, uh, you know, I'm thinking about more things I could launch. I've been thinking about building a a debug guide for, oh, you're you're on render and your front end build is failing. Like, okay, first question: Have you defined your node value, your node version? Okay, no. Have you done this? Have you done this? And just like a big flowchart for debugging your application. Um, and I know that would be really useful for a lot of because uh, a lot of a lot of the questions I see are from beginners who are just like you know I'm I'm good at this thing over here but I don't understand how these connections work or I don't know I, I, what does this really you're asking for a published directory but what does that mean exactly so you know kind of things like that right so which is super cool uh, it's really nice to to have more stuff to talk about and, and everything else so um, I still think that it, so like this is a win. I feel great about how this, I could stop this experiment today and I would call it a win. Uh, I am trying to figure out what I'm going to do next. Like, you know, I'm not going to take the thing offline. <laughs> There's no right. reason to do that. But I am thinking about, oh, what do I want to do next? Or do I just keep going and see where it leads me? Like, I, I'm spending a lot of time doing this. Like, I spend like 90% of my week just on the forums or on... on um, uh, on Stack Overflow, Sifton has become an essential tool for me. Um, I'm using it every day and jumping in on tons of conversations. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think about what, what I want to do next. Um, yeah. So I haven't thought too hard about that. I've just been like just taking the W for, oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. the experiment work. But yeah. Um, yeah. So still, yeah, still thinking through, but you know, it's fine. I'm not in a rush. I'm happy, totally happy to continue putting out content and learning more about how to service an audience and keep building that that flywheel. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it looks yeah, it, it looks like you're you're in your element. Like mm-hmm. you seem you're full of energy. Like you're this this is this is your wheelhouse. I think like mm-hmm. like helping people and do delivering e bombs. <laughs> you're doing it. <laughs> doing it, baby. Yeah, it, it's funny, like this has really reignited my sense of curiosity because I think I, I, even introspecting on my feelings, I, in, even a few weeks ago, I remember thinking like, oh, this person is having trouble, but it's not really related to render. So like, I, I don't know if I'm really qualified to help them or if I should spend the time. Um, but now like I'm helping the most random people <laughs> with the most random stuff. Because you realize, like, like I helped one person on Stack Overflow who was like, oh, I, I'm trying to deal with the render, like, instance going to sleep, but my jQuery thing isn't working. And I'm thinking, like, <laughs> well, I don't really know anything about JavaScript, but okay, here we go. Like, let's try this. Uh, and it's fun. It's fun to just get in and toy around and see if you can help people with things. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning of the, the, the beginning days of Power Importer, I would often help people with random stuff like mm. <laughs> not even related to power importer and i would even like share a link to it it was yeah. like someone had problems with their reverse proxy or something and <laughs> so i would go curl the url and then i'd see what the status is or what the header says and mm. 
and yeah, it just it just felt great, like helping people, right? It's like, oh, yeah. I'm I'm here anyways in the in the forum, so I might as well just yeah, yeah. It, I get nerd sniped pretty quickly because it's all coming across my it's all coming into my field of vision. So you it, if you're looking for my help with anything, just put render.com on it, and I'm gonna see it. <laughs> so yeah, if you need technical help from me, I'm around. Um, yeah, so that's. Uh, it's cool. Like, so one, uh, I will say one other thing that I did that I, I don't know how to measure this, but it, it's not really important. Me- the measuring part's not important, but I've been, I went back when I launched the free tool, I went back to my blog because so much of what I write just barely touches the free tier. Like I always mention it a little bit of just like, okay, this is totally a good fit for the free tier. Um, but you do want to be careful because the free tier goes to sleep. So, you know, you don't want to think about that. So I, I just went back to all my articles and edited them slightly to say your thing will go to sleep unless you keep it alive. And then that'll be a link to my keep alive tool. So like okay. I just went back to everything that I've written and then just created links back. Um, just yeah, like it. it's just kind of funny of like it reminds me of that episode of The Office, one of the cold opens when Michael's trying to sell phone cards and uh, Jim is like, so it's a pyramid scheme. And he's like, no, no, it's not. And then he he draws a bunch of marks on the thing, and then Jim draws a pyramid around it. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's oh, it's a funnel. Like that's what a funnel looks like. Yeah, it's like, oh, I see. Okay. Uh, yeah. So just creating a funnel from all the content that I've been writing and that sort of thing. Anything you know where it's where it's relevant, um, and then trying to make clear CTAs across the app uh, or across my my blog because I'm just using like a, a Hugo template. Um, which is, I don't know why I did this. <laughs> I, in the, in my, in the beginning, I was like, oh yeah, Hugo, like I can like generate a blog, but then it's like, I would like to change one, the style on one thing. Fucking forget it. Really? <laughs> Cause they like, it's all, oh my God. It's their all, it's their weird markup. Like some of them use liquid and others use different things. And like, oh, but I want to just, add, can I add a thing here to pass over here? absolutely not you that's out of the question right so it's sorry hugo is written in go right yes yeah do you even know go uh no 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 No, the the uh the the service that transforms the markup into the blog is written in go but like the templates and stuff like that it doesn't touch go at all no, but if you need to write like a helper or, or a macro, do you I have to write? To- I've never, I haven't had to. Okay. You can write, there are, um, what are they called? Inlines or outlines or something like that. There's, they're not quite macros, but they're like, uh, because Hugo's all in markdown, if you want to insert like an image, for example, if you want to insert an image, short codes they're called. Um, okay. If you want to write a short code, there's like a, a t- there's like a templated way to do that, but there's no go required. Oh, okay. Okay. Because yeah, I always reach for a Ruby-based one because I want to be able to write that stuff in Ruby. And the most popular one is Jekyll. Yeah. But, uh, but it uses Liquid as a templating it. And oh, okay. I, it's like, I hate Liquid. I always forget the syntax and the operators. And I know Ruby. Why Why can't I just do the templates in Ruby? Yeah. So I, yeah, I switched to a new one that's pure Ruby everywhere. Nice. Yeah, I uh, they have one of those in Java. I think it's called a JSP. No, a JSF. That's what it is. It's a joke, but not a very funny one. <laughs> Java server faces, baby. 
<laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. I made my I made my money on Java server faces in 2010. Thanks very much. <laughs> Did you get the t-shirt? Yeah. Java champion over here. The forgotten technology. <clears throat> yep. So, um, so yeah, uh, blog is funneling towards my tool now. <clears throat> I continue to write more, post in the forums, and across Stack Overflow and everything else. So, yeah. Um, I guess the last thing... Uh, so I, I've uh, before I have a question for you. One other update I have is I was uh, I was referred to a company that just raised a bunch of venture funding, and they were looking for a uh, a contractor to interview th- to screen their candidates. So they have an established process, and like one part of their process is they hook you up with a third party. You as the candidate, they hook you up with a third party who like assesses your coding your technical skill through faci- through facilitating a uh, like a coding challenge like an in-person coding challenge uh, so I applied because it was a it's a part-time thing and I've done a lot of screening and I got an, I got the interview quote unquote the interview but the interview was this super asynchronous coding challenge where I had two hours I just did it earlier today it's two hours and you record yourself over zoom your face your microphone your screen and then it's you trying to solve the problem that they give you and like i am a i'm a wreck like i'm a sweaty mess it was so intense (laughs) and like i've never been it's oh god it's so intense and you're alone in the room there's nobody to bounce ideas off of so you're just like okay i gotta really understand the question and it's like two hours is a long time so Yeah. yeah i so i ground for two hours and afterward i was like i need a nap oh my god it's it's kind of ironic that they're they're looking for someone to to observe people do this test mm. in in real time, but the hiring process is async. Yeah, <laughs> and you're doing technical stuff. I don't I don't understand. I don't understand why you're doing a technical challenge. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they like. It's interesting. Like I don't know what they. It's like okay, so I. I they want to know I'm technical. Okay, that's a that's a start. But then like, okay, but then what? Like, you want to know how technical I am? You want right. to know if you like my face? Like, I don't know. Like, what what do you want to know? Yeah, it's weird. So I didn't. Yeah, I didn't finish the problem. It was, uh, it was algorithmic, which isn't which is not a problem for me. But, um, it was a lot of the the code the um the the challenge was very complex. It was lots of constraints. So I had to spend a lot of time really understanding what they wanted. And I could tell that really held me back. But that's that's fine. I mean, I you know, I want the job, but I YOLO'd it. Like I did not spend a lot of time studying for this because it's like, well, I don't even really know what you want. Um I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try it and do my best. I would say two hours is a lot of time. (laughs) Hopefully they're not just like whoever can't finish this in two hours is an idiot. I'm sure that's not the case, but sorry, guys. <laughs> I wrote it in Java. Blame, blame, blame Java. <laughs> There's a lot more typing involved. <laughs> yeah. I need multiple constructors. <laughs> so, uh, question for you. So, one thing that I'm noticing is, so, first of all, I am crushing my goals. Can I just, like, throw that out there? Yeah. I have been. I agree. Man. I, I have really settled into 
taking my goals very seriously, doing a weekly retro, monthly retro, I'm catching mistakes as I'm making them. I'm really focused on where I want to be. I couldn't be happier with how this is going. One thing that I'm struggling a little bit with is when I'm at work, I'm great doing work things at work. So it's like, oh, if I need to write blog posts, cool, I've got a plan. I know what I'm going to write about, I'm going to write. But I've got a bunch of other goals. Like, for example, uh, I have an espresso machine and I want to swap out the, uh, the, the milk frother. This one's like a weird plastic one that displeases me. I don't really have a reason to, to, to replace it, except I don't like that it's plastic. Um, but when I'm done work, I'm destroyed. I don't like get home from work and think, ah, let me now revisit my goals for my home life and, <laughs> and go through those. So a lot of these are research-based or even if it's just like rake the leaves, I don't know, things like that. Do you have any tips for how to start tackling some of that stuff in the evening? Like, I guess, I guess, well, I'm thinking about you in judo. And with judo, you're like, well, I have practice at these times. So I go to the dojo and I do judo throughout the day. But let's say there was something that, like, say you were going to swap out the frother on a uh, on an espresso machine how do you find the time to do that um yeah maybe that's a better way to ask it how do you find the time for some of these smaller things yeah those those smaller things go on a different to-do list that i have okay which um how to explain it basically i mean you could do it on paper to it's it's designed to be done on paper but let's say you have a a a notepad and you just you have a notebook and you just write one to do per line mm-hmm. and then when that, that page is full you just turn over and start writing on the next page mm-hmm. and the rule is that whenever you pick up that notebook like you know you should probably be picking it up once a day at least like but whenever you pick it up you have to do something that's on the first page uh-huh. like you you can't look ahead at the other pages it's like you, know, you have to do you don't have to finish it but you know at least you say okay i'm gonna do 10 minutes of raking let's say i'll, I'll just do 10 minutes you know I'm, I'm really tired but i'll just do 10 minutes then i come back you can cross it out and add it to the last page ah but, yeah so it's like i i worked on it so okay. then you put it you know it's like a first in first out cue so nice. you put it at the end uh, and then now you have permission to look at any page and do something else that inspires you. Like, okay. So that's that's how I do those tasks. The ones that they're not they're not tied to my goals. Like I, yeah, like I have my I have my goals, and the, the, every day I, I try to put some to dos like that are directly tied to those goals. And those are the most important things I have to do today. Like. And then if I have more time, it's going to be, yeah, I look at that other to-do list. It, um, that, that little trick of like forcing you, like that rule that you have to do something on the first page. Because the, the rule is if you don't, you have to just tear that page out of the notebook. Oh. Yeah, it's like, that's it. If you're not going to do something on that page, I mean, and in practice, it makes total sense because those things are usually one or two months old. Right. And it's like, if you've been looking at it every day for one or two months, it's not going to happen. Like, it's it's not important. It's not going to happen. Just throw it out. So pull, rip the page out, throw it in the garbage. Right. And that's it. Like, if really, if it's really that important, it's going to come back up, you know, 
maybe in a few months it goes, no, I should really do that thing and just add it back to the list. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I have a bunch of projects around the house I want to do. I just, when I get home from work and like we're fed and watered and thing, and I finally got a little bit of downtime, I think like, oh, I really, I just want to play a video game or I just want to stare at the wall for a minute or play on my phone. But then the next day I get in and think like, ah, oh, like I really do want to build a kegerator, <laughs> but I need to do research. So uh, I like this idea. The other, the only other thing I can think of is I do tend to have a nice downtime, a little bit of downtime when I eat my lunch. So I've been blocking off 10 minute chunks at lunch to, to do, especially for research based things. It's like, all right, I'm going to do 10 minutes of research. And just run with that. Um, it doesn't really feel like I'm getting a lot done. I mean, ten minutes is not a very long time, but right. I can't find another way to make uh, make progress unless it's the weekend. But like, I hate to divide my life completely into there's the weekday where we only do productive work things, and then there's the weekend when I can only do productive personal things. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It depends if this kegulator or the espresso project is is a goal mm-hmm. or if it's you know if it's just a, a project mm. yeah that those kind of things for me i would put i would i would put on that other note that other notebook okay. it's the stuff that yeah it's the that analogy right that where you you put the big rocks first yeah. right and yeah th- that stuff that i put on that list is the sand it's like it's just a it's it's i i Whenever I think of oh, I should do this, like I just add it to the list because hmm. because I might never actually do it, but just putting it on the list makes me feel all right. I don't have to think about it anymore. <laughs> it was put on the list, but because you have that purging process of ripping the first page out, hmm. like it never gets longer than seven pages for me. Okay. Like usually, usually by the time I have seven pages, I'm ripping that first page out. Okay. Do you write really big? <laughs> No, I think it's like 25 items per page. Okay. And when do you find yourself picking that book up? Yeah, like pretty much once a day, I think. Okay. It's like once I've done my, my big rocks, hmm. like then I, yeah, I, I pick up the book and look, is there anything in there? Okay. And yeah, and then, and then the like doing something for at least 10 minutes, like is, makes a big difference for me. It seems to work. Okay. It's like, you know, for, for the calculator, you know, it's, oh, you know what? I just need to research something. Like mm. that's it. I just, I just need to do a few Google searches, and that's it. That's enough. All right, I can go play video games now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but at the same time, like I think it's okay after a, a day's work, like to, yeah, to play video games and to just chill on the couch. Mm. Maybe set a timer so that you just don't do that all night long. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all right. I'm allowed. I'm allowed to veg. Just decompress. Yeah, maybe I think there's a my my decompression time has a way of taking the space. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> it's like oh, if we finally sit down and it's like seven thirty eight and like the chores are done, you know, it's all downtime from here until dinner until bed. I'm just like, well, I'm sitting down and I'm not moving. <laughs> but. I don't probably don't need, I mean, in the week it's, it's not two and a half hours. Like, but you know, say it was, I don't need two and a half hours of total leisure time. It's like, if I got 
90 minutes of it and then i spent one hour doing some research that would be that would go a long way yeah i mean you're an indie hacker you can you, you make your own schedule <laughs> this this has always been my problem is that work for me like I, when i talk with my wife about it it's always so funny because she's like well look at i had this to-do list i had five things and i got them all done time to go home or it's like four o'clock oh i get to take off a little bit early because i finished everything for me it's like wow it's five it's four o'clock and i finished five things i'm gonna try to get five more things done and i just like cram more stuff in um and then i come home and i'm like i hate everything i'm so tired so yeah my my level of energy management is just needs a bit of work okay yeah i mean i like on judo days like i do judo around lunchtime and then like afterwards we go out for lunch to much of the guys so yeah when i come back i'm i'm exhausted i'm not i'm not doing any deep work mm. so i'll i'll usually have a few like administrative tasks that are tied to my goals right like so then those are on my to-do list for the day i'll i'll make the biggest effort to actually do them afterwards after after judo mm. but then after that yeah if i need to take a nap <laughs> whatever i'll take a nap yeah. Or I need to just veg on the couch. That's what I'll do. Okay. Yeah, I need to think this through a little bit because it's I, I've got all these things that I want to do. I just can't seem to find the energy to do it. Uh, not when I have so many work things that compete for my for my time and attention. I like this. So stuff. like, so like, how many how many goals would you say you're you're working on right now? Let me bring up my goals document and let's see. So let's see. My goals right now are, I'll just say them out loud. Uh, so fitness, resuming getting back to the gym, which I have done. Uh, so that's accomplished. And I've got some sub goals under there. Uh, replace my clothes. Now I've got a sub goal for, I, I finally got so close to replacing all my summer clothes and now it's fucking winter. Um, uh, psychedelic experiences, uh, build a keezer. Uh, what is that? The the keezer is a uh, so it's the kegerator. It's a oh, okay. It's a freezer. It's a chest freezer that I'm converting into a beer fridge. Oh okay. So my <laughs> I uh, yeah my my dad came to town and we were working on this. So I'm like more than halfway there. I just got to buy some equipment now. Cool. Uh, swapping the frothing wand out on the espresso machine and the blog. Uh, working on the blog. Okay. So a lot of those are personal. Um, so how many was that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven things. Okay. And then do you have any like projects? I mean, that's what I, that's what I call them, but they're not goals. They're like projects. Yeah. I would say that the keyser is a project. The frothing wand is a project. Uh, replacing my clothes is a project and psychedelics is a project. Okay. Yeah. Cause Okay. And do you, do you do you feel like that's too many or not enough? Or I feel like I'm not making progress on like for example replacing my clothes. I have been able to make a ton of progress on. I've been really good at scheduling shopping trips, for example. So that's been okay. really actionable. But uh, I've been very stalled with the keyser work uh, because I. Uh, because I needed to buy equipment and I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know I needed to modify. Like it, it was hard for me to say what's the next step okay. um, and schedule that. Um, and I know that's one of the problems with the swapping out the frothing wand. Like I did some, I did some research, but 
now I'm like, okay, well, now I have a better idea of how to do it, but like getting the materials is harder. So yeah, I'm just not making, I haven't been, at least not until very recently, I haven't made a lot of progress on things because I guess I didn't know what the next part was or the next part was something that I needed to schedule outside of work hours. So I just never got to. Yeah, those are the kind of things I, yeah, for anything that's a, that's a project, I, I just put those on in that notebook. Okay. It's that's to me, that's not, I mean, it's, some of it is important, like, you know, like file my taxes. Yeah. <laughs> that's a project, right? Like it has to be done and mm. there's a deadline on it, but uh, it's not a goal. It's mm. like it, it's so like, yeah. And once it's done, it's done. My, I find like if, if I have too many goals, I, I get like paralysis by analysis. Like I don't know what to work on. And so I, uh, I try to keep it to like two goals. I think okay. that's all I have right now. Two goals. Okay. Everything else is, are projects. Yeah. A lot of my goals, a lot of my, what I would consider to be goals are things like if it's super measurable or it has a clear outcome attached to it, like getting back to the gym was one of my goal is I got to be getting to the gym four days a week and I want to get back um, I want to be doing muscle ups again. I want to be doing, uh, more Olympic lifting, you know, like I've got some, yeah. it's more like I want to get to a point where X times a week I'm doing this movement or I'm practicing this. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's a little harder with like build a keyser. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, I think for the keyser, what's really important is knowing what that next action is. Like, yeah. Right. Like when you write it down, it needs to be actionable. Like, mm you know where you're doing it you know like what you need to do it so then when you pick up the notebook it's like it's obvious it's like oh yeah i got i have to go to the store well run no plans on leaving the house today so oh but tomorrow i'm doing um i gotta do something so then i'll schedule it and in that case i would consider it as if i worked on it and i would cross it out and put it back at the list right Okay. It's like I scheduled it. So I, I did some progress. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. It certainly seems like my, I'm the things I'm writing on my goals list aren't actionable enough. Um, yeah. Like knowing what comes next. What is the next step? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like if you need to buy that part, well, do you know what the part is? No. Oh, well then yeah. the next step is not to buy the part. The next step is to research mm-hmm. which part you need. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right, this, this is useful. I've got some takeaways here. I'm still going to need to... I like this. I'm going to give your approach a try of creating a separate list and seeing what I can uh, seeing what I can put together. Cool. Yeah. It's the, it's the only one that I found that works for me. Like, uh, basically, it's like you're, you're, you're letting your intuition decide what to do. It's like, all right, I got, I got some time and I don't have the energy to do some deep work. So pick up that notebook. What can I do? Hmm. And then just let, you know, and because they're, they're projects, they're not, they're, they're not as important as my goals. Like they, you know, I can let my gut decide which one to do. Right. Okay. Cool. Uh, what's been going on with you? What's new? I've been, I've been hogging the session. (laughs) Well, yeah, you had a lot more updates than me. So that's, that's good. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been doing a lot of, um, like research, I guess, or mm-hmm. I've been, so, so for power importer and all my previous products, I've, I've always just set up a VPS mm-hmm. 
and just, you know, like so far I've, I've also been able to just put everything on one VPS, like the database, the rails app, the, the background job process. Like, and is that and even the, is that shared hosting? Like you get yeah. like 30% computer. Uh, well, I mean, we're, I use Linode, so you, you can, you can get a one that where you have a dedicated CPU or multiple CPUs. Like, but uh, yeah, whenever whenever I need more space or more CPUs, I just upgrade the whole VPS. Right. So it's it's been it's been fine. Like, uh, but I feel like often I'm I don't know. It's like I'm starting to see the disadvantages of managing my own servers. Sure. Right. It's like I, like I have some old projects that have been running for like twelve years or whatever. <laughs> And it's like, it's still running an old version of Ubuntu, like, <laughs> right? Because, I mean, upgrading the OS is is not easy. Hmm. So it's like, you know, I, can, I, I finally understand the appeal of serverless. Sure. So I've been, I've been really exploring serverless. Okay. And it, so mostly AWS. Okay. I just decided I'll just pick one and yeah. it's, it's the most popular one and... Uh, but the the biggest problem is that Rails is not designed to run on serverless. It's not designed to run on serverless. Okay. Yeah. Why? Like it, uh, well, it like in in serverless, the your file system is read only, right? And yeah. And Rails does expect to have a temporary folder that they could do things in. Well, uh, is actually is that true? I mean, I think uh, my experience was that. You do have access to a file system, but it's ephemeral. Effectively, they they make no guarantees about about access between invocations. My understanding was that on right. a single invocation, you should be okay. Okay. Yeah, but the, I mean, it's just it, it wasn't it wasn't designed for serverless, and DHH is very against it. Okay. And uh, you're right. And yeah, then even, that's a good that's a leading right, indicator exactly. that you shouldn't do this. No, exactly. Right. If the dictator says we're not doing serverless, we're not doing serverless. Yeah. <laughs> but he's benevolent. He's a benevolent. Yeah, oh, yeah, yes, yes, of course. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm like, I don't know. Like I've seen some people do it. Like some there's some people that have found ways to to like monkey patch Rails so that you can run it on serverless. Uh, there's even there's a really cool project of someone that created a new a new like Ruby on Rails framework. It's called Ruby on Jets. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I saw this. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's cool. It's all designed to. It looks a lot like Rails. You know, you have controllers, views, and models. Mm-hmm. The exact same structure. You have background jobs. Like it has everything, so that it looks like Rails. So if you're a Rails developer, you feel at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then when you when you hit deploy, it packages it all for AWS. Okay. Uh, it's cool, but I'm not sure how active it's being maintained. Mm. Like, and the, the, and it doesn't seem to be a lot of people using it. Mm. So that that always makes me like scared of using a framework that is not. I mean, already I do things that are not the Rails way, and it catches up to me. Like, okay. Like I find often I'll. I'll I'll hear about this cool gem that I could add, but then oh no, it only supports Active Record, and I don't use Active Record. So, I see. So yeah, so 
but I've just been reading about AWS and yeah, Lambda, um, S3, DynamoDB, and I'm yeah, I'm, I'm I don't know. I, I think for my next project, I I think I'd like to to deploy to it, mm. just to just well out of curiosity. Yeah, like I'm just curious about this whole stack and and what I don't know about it. Right, like I don't know what I don't know, like. Yeah. What happens when something goes wrong? Like, because <laughs> it all seems like magic, but then what happens when there's downtime? Yeah. Like, so yeah. So I've been mostly, yeah, doing that. Like, you, you've used AWS, right? Yeah. Yeah. I used a Lambda for a contract that I did uh, like a while ago, more than a year and a half ago, two years maybe. Okay. And it was in. Python, I think, if I remember. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, I wrote a, a back a back tester, effectively. So okay. you would say, I want to run. Um, so he was a he was a he was a crypto trader, and he would say, I want to back test my models, and I leaned heavily on um, pre computing pre computing resources. So for example, like he was a momentum trader. So if he's like um, I want to trade. Uh, so he's like, I'm trading ETH BTC on these signals, on these like these candles, like these this candle length. So maybe I want to look at the the twenty. I want to look at crossovers between the twenty five minute and the ten minute candle. And he's looking for he's looking for the um, for the for the EMAs to cross for the the exponential moving averages to cross and using those as trading trading signals. But the problem is that we would pull data down by the minute. So our initial candles were minute data. So what I was doing was I was using serverless to first burst compute candles to the correct length. So I would say like, all right, so I've got four years of data for ETH BTC at one minute. I need 25 minute and I need 10 minute. So I would burst compute the, the, the 25 minute and the 10 minute per day because the candles would clamp to the day. So I would be like, all right, so I have four years. Cool. That's four times 365 messages for the 25. All right. And I would dump that on a queue. And then I would do it again for the 10 minute. And then I set my lambdas up to read from those queues. And I actually set the queues to be, because um, with those, uh, with the queues, you have to be careful because they, um, uh, they are, uh, SQS is, at least once its default configuration is at least once deliver, uh, delivery, but I changed it to, I, I didn't, I saw no reason to not have it be uh, exactly once. So I changed right. it to exactly once it lowered the number of messages it could hold, but then I was just invoking all of these, like I had crazy throughput on my queues. So right. I could, I, I could burst compute all the resources I need very quickly. So I would do, I, I was calculating candle lengths. I was calculating EMAs. I was calculating all sorts of stuff. So that the model, so, uh, and then I would, so all of those, all those cues would drain. And then I would say, okay, my, my calculation has finished. And then I would run the models and the models would read only the data they needed. And it, I had written it to be like super cacheable. So I would group models together that would use the same data sets so or the same types of data. So you could run, like, for example, um, Sorry, we're getting into the weeds now, but you fucking asked for it. But, <laughs> but, but basically, like, it would be like, oh, I'm grouping together a bunch of models that are all using the same candle lengths. 
and the same um, the same EMA lengths. They just they just have different stops. So um, I could I could pull those all together. I would cache a lot of the decisions that were being made, and it would make the my back test would run super quick. Um, so it was just like up giant, yeah, pre computation, and then a bunch of caching made my models really really fast. Yeah, that's 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 what I love about it. It's the what do you called it the burstable compute. Yeah, it's like yeah, you want to. If you can break something down into small bytes, mm-hmm. you can have like a thousand of them running simultaneously. Like, yeah. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, my client wasn't super happy the first bill that he got, but. Was, really? Yeah. <laughs> How much? Oh, I, I, don't re- I don't even remember, but I remember him like, being like, holy shit. <laughs> but. It, yeah. Yeah. But I mean. It's, it's it's the same cost, right? Whether there's a thousand running simultaneously or a thousand throughout the day. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's the same cost. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's yeah, that's the big unknown that I, yeah, that I don't know, and I would, I want to find out what the next project is. Mm-hmm. How much does it cost? Like, I, I'm willing to pay more. Like, mm-hmm. right? It's, I mean, because right now, like. For power importer, it's mostly memory bound. Like memory is the lim- memory is is the problem. Right. Like that's usually why I have to upgrade the server. It's never for CPUs. Like mm. I got uh, eight or sixteen CPUs, and like I'm never using all of them. Okay. So like I have plenty of like I'm paying for a bunch of idle CPU time. Like mm-hmm. so at least I wouldn't be paying for that for serverless. Mm. With serverless, one of the things I discovered was you. Until you allocate, it's somewhere around a gig. <laughs> uh, until you allocate a gig of RAM, you don't get a full CPU anyway. Okay. Uh, it's kind of buried in the documentation, but I had noticed a lot of, like, because my models were actually quite small. I was pulling a lot of data, but, you know, it, was, it wasn't actually that much data. It's not like it was tens of gig or anything. Um, and my ser- uh, the serverless was not performing well at all. I had to, in order to get reasonable uh, response times, I had, or like, you know, reasonable um, return times on getting the data I needed. It wasn't. Uh, right. I think I, yeah, I read an example where they were setting the memory to like 1.7 gigs or something. And the comment was like, to guarantee we get a CPU. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember it being that high, but it's certainly over, it was, it's over a thousand meg for sure. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, that's it. Like, that's that's scary the other scary thing is that yeah you don't know what your bill is going to be like some malicious crawler like gets stuck on your site and keeps crawling it and Hmm. yeah that could that could get expensive quickly yeah do you know what you would use it for like the kinds of workloads you would use it for well like for for member row i was thinking the whole authentication part like I think I would I would build on serverless and DynamoDB. Okay. So that it 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 would never be the bottleneck because I don't know how busy the customer's website's gonna be and mm-hmm. how many people are logging in per hour or, mm-hmm. so I want that part to like to scale with without any problems. Okay. But then after that, once the user's authenticated, if, you know, if let's say I'm using a JWT, like there's I shouldn't have to hit the serverless function anymore. Mm. Yeah, that was like an example of like where I would I would use it. Mm. Okay, but I'm still. I mean, I'm mostly exploring now. Like I'm really curious about it, and I'm 
I'm reading lots of code mm. to to understand it. Uh, and I've seen lots of. I also read a book. Uh, don't forget what it what it's called. I think serverless architectures okay. for AWT uh, AWS. Mm. And they have great examples of like showing how they migrate to serverless. Oh wow! Right. So like here here's this monolith that we inherited, and this is how we. You know, this was the bottleneck, so this is how we migrated just that part of the site. Okay, like, interesting. And quickly, yeah. And so it shows you, okay, well, maybe I should just keep using VPS then, and and know that no, no. If ever, you know, if ever there is a bottleneck, I can migrate just a part of it to serverless. Sure. Yeah, because one thing, uh, do you know? Does uh, does AW uh, does Lambda ship with a um, with a Ruby runtime? Yeah. They okay. they've actually have their most recent Ruby the three point two. Oh, nice! Uh, but but they also support images, right? Yeah, that's where I was headed with this. Yeah, because yeah. you could always just Dockerize your application and say, "Here you go," and you would reserve an instance so that you don't have to deal with cold starts or figure out where where your happy medium is around right. cold starts and then just provision it. Yeah, but at the same time, cold starts are the cost savings, right? Yeah. Like, if I keep one alive all the time, well then <laughs> it's mitigating it's, the savings. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but if I allow one percent of the people to experience a cold start, well, that's that's savings for me. Hmm. I mean, I, I would need to. I've never sat down to do the math, but originally, before I went with serverless, I was trying to provision a Kubernetes cluster that would just sit there. Like I wanted a control plane with no servers. And then call an endpoint that would spin up boxes because like I was doing, I was doing burst computing originally when I was computing all these like windows and EMAs, I was burst computing them using shared hosting. And then I learned how AWS manages burst compute and like how many, cause you accrue CPU credits every hour. So it's like based on your usage, you accrue these, um, Oh, okay. Yeah, you you accrue these usage you you accrue usage capacity if you're not using it, but you can never accrue more than some ratio, like let's say thirty percent, um, over several days. So that's how they so that like they're like you can use shared hosting if you want, but like we will throttle you. Like get ready to get throttled, and very quickly you can do the math. It's very straightforward to say. Oh well, what if I used a fleet of ten shared hosting, <laughs> ten shared hosts, or one dedicated host? And you're like, okay, it, using a dedicated host is a no-brainer. Um, but the problem is they're always on. Like they, they, it. I say it's a no-brainer, but it does cost money. Like it costs real money. But you're trying to compute something that costs money to compute, so like you, right. You need to pay. Um, but it would, in my ideal situation, I would spin up like a really powerful instance. I would burst compute everything that I need to do, and then I would just kill the instance so right. that I could, so I wasn't accruing more, um, uh, more bills. Yeah. But I mean, like, ain't nobody got time for that. Like, <laughs> right? No, no, exactly. Right. And that that's that's the promise of serverless is that you don't have to think about that. Yeah. And I also like the idea that it can scale to zero. Yeah. So, like, if I want to ship lots of small projects. It's like, you know, because each time I'm there, oh, yeah, I want to start this small, this idea. I would love to just build it in a weekend and ship it. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, how big of a VPS should I buy for this? Mm-hmm. And and then 
how long do I let it running before I kill it? Like, right. <laughs> like no one's using it. Should I really keep it around? Or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even some of the larger... Um, oh, it's been a little while now. I don't quite remember. But some of the more elastic uh, compute offerings, like um, Fargate, AWS Fargate, like they don't spin down to zero. You always have to have some capacity resources. Like They'll spin up okay. for you, but they won't. And they'll have a minimum, but they... Yeah, I don't think they spin to zero. Yeah, I didn't look at that. Is that is that serverless or they're EC2s? Like- uh, Fargate is a it, you can. Uh, wow, sorry if you if you're an AWS expert and you're listening to this and growling at me, I, I understand. Um, well, that's because your documentation is so complicated. <laughs> well, they've got fifty <laughs> jillion services, and you can combine them in all these weird exactly. ways. Exactly, and and what I hate is you search for something like. God, like I don't know, whatever, like Lambda and something, yeah. and then it it returns like a hundred pages from Amazon's domain. Like yeah. it's like a hundred different pages. Like couldn't you have one guide or like? Yeah, there's money to be made there, man. If you just know how to use it, Lambda on AWS, you're just like, yeah, you're just I. <laughs> you could be the Lambda on AWS guy on Twitter. Um, no, but seriously, right? Like there is, there's, it's definitely way co- more complicated than it than it should be. It's really hard, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I still don't fully understand what's, you know, like all the layers between your domain name and the actual s- serverless function. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> there's like there's there's CloudFront and there's API gateway mm-hmm. and there's a uh, load balancers and it's like yeah, it's still I, I still haven't gone through all of it yeah at least with fargate um so uh so they're called uh it's i don't remember the name of the service but um fargate uh there's uh i think it's fargate you can define your application as like a container and then you can say what do i want the underlying infrastructure to be so you can do like bring your own so you can like pre-buy an ec2 instance and say like here's the here's an instance i want you to use or you can spot it like you can do whatever you want um, or you can run it using uh, more elastic compute. Um, and if I recall, the elastic compute is cheaper. Um, EC2 would only be cheaper if you if you prepaid for a bunch of credits or something like that. Um, but it's just another way to be able to run your application. And I, I can't recall if you have to use a load balancer for it. I think you might have to. Because that's one connection I've never tried. API gateway to Lambda... Um, without load balancer okay because the load balancers are a ripoff they're like it's like the only way into aws it's one of the only ways in but they're so expensive for nothing right like you would never use most of what load balancers charge you for but it's how you get https like all that stuff right yeah then it makes you because you can because when you deploy a serverless function you you can get a a url Mm -hmm. immediately right through it doesn't go through it's always API gateway. Uh, you can definitely I, configure it. I thought I thought you can get like a serverless URL right like immediately. That's not through API gateway. Uh, I don't know because serverless is only a if if I'm thinking about permission boundaries, you would have to be able to wrap your serverless your entry into the serverless ecosystem with some layer. And I guess to me, I was thinking that was API gateway. Because like I thought, I was pretty sure that like when you create a serverless function, you get an ARN, and you can have something point to that ARN, 
Because it, it doesn't seem very AWA. It, like, it seems like there's like three layers missing between Lambda and the outside world. Okay. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, I misread it. But I thought, yeah, the, I, I was seeing like API gateway URLs, function URLs. Oh. And some other URL. Okay. So, like the, so I was thinking maybe there's okay. this function URL is just given to you if you, if you just deploy a serverless function. Like. Okay. And you're probably right then. I mean, if you saw if you saw a function URL, there's probably a function URL. But I think but I think it, it might be a new thing. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, it was make, making me think, well, maybe I should use another CDN in front of it, right? Like if, if all these Amazon ones are so complicated, why not use something like Cloudflare or or Bunny CDN? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like an edge like an edge worker. Yeah, but I mean a, a reverse proxy, like right? It will, it will do, uh, it will do the certificate, so HTTPS, and okay. it will even do the load balancing if you give it multiple URLs. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah. So I'm trying to like invent the Mark stack, <laughs> Ruby, Ruby by Mark. Yeah, that's what the R <laughs> so and the that... Mark stack stands for. <laughs> exactly, and we know the M doesn't stand for marketing. <laughs> Mongo. <laughs> yes, that's it. Mongo. It's not Angular. Yeah, I was just going to say Angular. <laughs> we'll come up. We'll, we'll work on that. Ruby. Ang- it's not Active Record. <laughs> 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 not Active Record. Big exclamation mark. And COBOL. Yes, I, I run COBOL on the back end. Exactly. Yes. So, yeah. Okay. It's uh, it's 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 really interesting. Oh like yeah, I'm, I'm... the technology couldn't be more interesting. Yeah. It's it's super cool. Um, one thing I ran into, and I'll just throw it out there in case you run into it too, because it's a weird foot gun, is um, there is a maximum size. Oh well, no, I guess you won't run into that if you're deploying a container. But um, if because you can pre bake. So I used serverless.com, uh, which. I can't even really tell you what it is. It's like a mini Terraform for lambdas. So like you can, there's a bunch of configuration and it has some CDK inside of it that you can just like say SLS deploy and you give it your AWS credentials and it'll deploy, it'll package everything and deploy it for you. But if you're using the native Lambda runtime, there's a maximum size uh, to your, to your lambdas. I can't remember how big it is, but it's not huge. Uh, and because I'm a Java programmer, or even even with sufficient, um, with a big with enough libraries, as soon as you start using enough libraries, your your runtime will balloon to a point where it's like it just says your your runtime's too big. You have to switch over to to uh, to a container. So you, okay. you have to use Docker. But if you're using Docker anyway, then you won't run into this problem. Well, yeah, that's it. The, the Rails seven point one, which is the latest version, like it it comes now with a default Docker file. Like okay, it's perfect. the it seems to be the direction that Rails is going in. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's that was like a weird, a weird issue I ran into like pretty quickly. All of a sudden, you start using pandas, and it's like, whoa, this thing's too big. Like, you could possibly do right. this. But I've seen people who ship like SQLite images as part of their, um, as part of their Lambda runtime. Really? Oh yeah. They they basically so- run like their own cache. It's crazy. Okay. And then it's like, yeah, you run out of. Turns out you put enough stuff in there, <laughs> and it's, it's, it turns it gets too big way too fast. Yeah, it's all yeah, it's all it's all fun stuff. Yeah, 
That's super interesting. <laughs> and I never, never took the time to, to learn it. Mm. Like I've, cause I've always been like, you know, trying to ship, trying to ship yeah. something like, and now it's like, you know what? I, I, I can afford to take my time, mm. <laughs> do it right. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, optionality is awesome. So if you're just like, oh, I could totally build this monolith and move bits of it over to serverless or oh, serverless isn't working. I want to do something more dedicated and you can swap it and you have the option to move between those things. That's amazing. You couldn't ask for anything better. Right. Uh, actually, when you were talking about your example, you were talking about a model that put, we're use, using a database or? Uh, no. Uh, well, do you mean like I was testing his models? Or, yeah. Oh no, he had written he like. Uh, These are like mathematical yeah, models. I mean, like, yeah. Okay, like, it's not. Yeah, I I had written a simulator basically. He had some ideas for how he wanted his strategies to perform. So I had written a simulator that that would, I I, I would implement his models into my simulator, and okay. I would run them. I was just curious if, yeah, you know, what kind of database you would you would use uh, in the back. I was using. Um, what the hell was I using? I was using serverless Postgres. Now, how did I do that? I was the output of one run of the model would have, or would I would run the back tester with like 10 different model configurations in it. And then the output of that would be this gigantic blob of things like these are the trades and did I win or did I lose on this trade? And like, you know, some output like that. Uh, data, data processing was, was the problem there. Like I was getting pretty good at tuning my code so that it would run really quickly. But like you want to run 10,000 models you, or you want to run 10,000 configurations. Like how the, how the fuck do you even like search through that? Like, like that's, a, that's a difficult problem. Anyway, but I, the, the models would output these blobs and I would drop it onto another queue. And then I had a, uh, a serializer or like a writer that would read from that queue and dump it into a, uh, a serverless Postgres instance. Um, okay. So serverless Postgres, spoiler, is not serverless. <laughs> what they mean <laughs> is auto-scaling. Um, okay. So I wrote all of my, um, all of my stuff was written uh, because, because the queue is durable, what would happen is I would... Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah, okay. So all of my servers, all of my databases were serverless Postgres. So what would happen is when the model would spin up, uh, they would start reading... My, my backtester would start reading from the database, but it would scale down to like one CPU or something. And then very quickly, it's getting bombarded with, um, with requests. So it starts to scale up. And there were instances where it wants to jump from like one CPU to four CPUs, but it has to checkpoint in order to have that upgrade happen. So it'll terminate all open connections and then it'll upgrade the hardware and then it becomes available again. But then all of the running models fail. So they all fail back off to the queue and then run again later. Um, so eventually I put a cap so it would scale up to like eight CPUs or something and it would max out because like, I'm reading so well, like it wasn't the CPU that was the problem. It was the RAM. Like I just needed more memory to be reading more versions of this model to be reading more data. And then at the end, they would write to a different database that would also scale up and scale down. Um, but it was like, it was just a lot of blobs, just a lot of blobs. So okay. yeah, bulk insert, commit. Right, yeah, and I've been I've been looking at DynamoDB, like mm. 
the the performance promises like look awesome. Yeah. Right. It's just you gotta figure out exactly how you're gonna access the data. So I I never I didn't I don't remember why I didn't go with DynamoDB, but I also can't quite remember how it works. When you create your DynamoDB instance, you have to tell them something up front, right? You have to be like, yeah. this is how many CPUs you have to have or something. Yeah, yeah, the provisioning is not is not clear. Like like you can have um on demand. There's an on demand pricing model. Okay. And then there's the provisioning. That's still not clear to me because it because it has evolved. Okay. Like I had looked at it years ago, and you can only just use the provisioning pricing model. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you have to know like how you're gonna access the data. Like you gotta define your indexes, and mm-hmm. so that that's the part that's uh, yeah. It's it doesn't look at all like like. Postgres or even a NoSQL like MongoDB. Like, yeah, that, that was one of the reasons why I didn't choose it. It, it was very foreign to me. Yeah, it is very different. It's almost, I mean, I've, I've, I've built a search engine in my previous life. Mm. So like I, I don't find it too daunting to think of all the indexes that you got. But if it, it feels a lot like that when I read the documentation for mm. DynamoDB, it's like, it's like you're, it's basically it's the raw ingredients to build a database. <laughs> you gotta you gotta build a database over it, mm. and the way it manages its indexes are you're pretty like bare metal. You yeah, it's as if you were building your own database. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't mind playing playing with that again. New technology is fun. I uh, yeah, I'm curious what the savings would be because does Dynamo also spin down to zero? Yes, mm. except uh, you pay for storage. Oh, that's fine. But yeah, you pay for how much storage it takes. But uh, yeah, then you pay for reads and writes. Yes, that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to pay for something. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just when you read, you read examples. You know, oh, you know, this app does like ten thousand read, uh, ten million reads, or what? <laughs> and then it's like. It'll cost you four dollars a month. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, okay. Define read. <laughs> like, <laughs> is it a page? Is it a row? Like, what is this? Mm. But it's just that it's it's dirt cheap. Like, it seems like it it's gonna it's, your site will have to be humongous to to come even close to using a dedicated database. Right. Uh, that's the gut feeling I get from 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 seeing the math. Mm. Yeah, I think like in all the history I've had with AWS, you really only start to get punished when you get out of the mid tier. It's like if you can't if you can't scale horizontally and you have to go vertically, they've got their they've just got their claws in you. Okay. Um, because like I remember a place I worked, we had a data warehouse. And the data warehouse, I remember when, because I was an early employee, I remember hearing like, they're like, oh, it's fine. The data warehouse is getting bigger. We'll just upgrade the instance. And I was like, what do you mean instance? Like it's a data, it's a data warehouse. Like there's a bunch of things. And they're like, oh no, it's just a Postgres database. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. You have, you've got 77 indexes. Like what's, what the hell? And it just turned out that they just like flattened the entire database and dumped it into one giant Postgres database. That was their data warehouse. Whoa. And 
they were, but it, but it worked. It gave them exactly what they needed. And the problem, well, the problem was as they grew, the, like the data warehouse would just fall over. So they're like, all right, up the instance. All right, next one, next one, next one. <laughs> Until very quickly, the data warehouse was easily the most expensive piece of architecture um, infrastructure we had. And it's like, oh, actually, we can't just double again. And of course, AWS loves this because they're like, awesome. You go these people who just like they need a ton of hardware to do this one specific thing. They got nowhere else to go. And it's so hard to like, how do you break that up and, have, and create something that's more horizontally scalable? It's you don't have a lot of options. But yeah, like you, you horizontally scale out after, anyway. Like, it, yeah, you, you don't... Normal, normal people like you and I don't run into these problems. Right. Cool. That's it for me. I don't know. Do you want to talk more about service? <laughs> <laughs> no, I need to go read about it. I get I need to go back to reading about it. Yeah. Teach me more. Learn more and then tell me things. <laughs> awesome. Cool, man. All right. Thanks for the tips. I'll implement them and bring them back to you. Let, know, let you know how it's going. All right. I look forward to seeing what else you publish. Yeah. All right. I will catch you later. All right. See ya.